Welcome to Genius Leadership, Overcoming Everything podcast. Join me every week for insightful conversations with corporate, entrepreneurial, and academic leaders about their roller coaster ride to leading from their zone of genius. I'm your host, Anna Liebel. Let's take this ride together. In this first episode of Genius Leadership, I am actually turning the tables and being interviewed instead of interviewing amazing people. And the interviewer is a good friend of mine, Doreen Ebelt. You know, that kind of friend who is always asking amazing questions and you get deep, thoughtful, quite philosophical conversations. And quite often our discussions with her is about my, uh, are about my job and uh, about leadership. So I thought, why don't we turn one of those conversations into the episode from which you can get to know me, learn about my background and uh, find some answers uh, to the questions that you might be having. So you will learn about my background, about some of my experiences of leading and being led by the others. You will get to know why I did I start Genius Leadership Podcast. And we'll also talk about what's common between shopping at the supermarket and working with other people. We also touch upon setting boundaries as a leader. In which way can you do it? In which situations you would need to do it? And we talk quite a lot about the coaching leadership style, which is quite demanded at the moment in the workplace. I hope that you will enjoy the episode and please let me know what you thought about it. So I think the biggest question of all is who is Anna? What has she been doing? What has she gone through? What makes her her? And why is she doing what she's doing? I usually start with my geographics because I think that explains quite a lot of me or open, opens up a lot of me and at the same time makes it difficult to put me in some particular box. Yeah, that's uh, good. Which we, are, which we people are very good at doing and it happens very naturally and I'm doing it myself. So I'm Ukrainian, yet I was born in Uzbekistan. When I was one and a half years, we moved back to Ukraine with my parents and I grew up there, did my bachelor degree in computer science, and then I moved to Sweden to do my master's. Just was curious about education somewhere else in Europe, and that was one of the possibilities to get a scholarship in Sweden, and that's what I did. So I went to Sweden to study project management. I did one term in England, which was part of my program. So I have double master degree from Sweden and England, and lived quite happily in Sweden for, in total, over eight years. Until around two years ago, I moved to Iceland. My love brought me there. And I'm not married to an Icelander. Uh, I'm married to a German. Yay! <laughs> to make things complicated. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, that's, that's me about geographics. Can I uh, ask a question? This master was also in the computer science. No, it was in the in project management. So in Sweden, the program was called International Project Management. In England, it was just project management. So those are the ones that I have. But Bachelor in Computer Science from Ukraine, International Project Management Master from Sweden, and Project Management Master from England. And how did you get to what you're doing today? Probably the best answer would be listening to what people have to say and reflecting on how that aligns with what I feel within myself. So I've been doing project management in Sweden after I graduated for over six years. And without realizing that, I was coaching people and coaching or guiding people in their personal development, in their uh, stress management journeys. And it was just happening very naturally for me. Of course, when you're working with projects and you're responsible for the deliveries of the whole team, 
for me, it was very natural that I took quite a lot of my time helping people to feel well and to perform well. There were a lot of spontaneous conversations when I would kind of drag people from the corridor to a meeting room, to an empty meeting room, or to get grab them and get out for a walk with them just because I saw how not well they were feeling in the moment. So a lot of time was handling situations that way. And then I was also doing it, so to say, in the, at the kitchen table with friends. Friends would just come to me quite naturally asking questions and asking to help them figure out some situations. And one of them at some point said, Anna, I've been getting so much value from, the, from you that I, can't, I, I just want to pay you. And at that moment, I was not ready at all because for me, payment was meaning that I would need to have a company registered, I would need to pay taxes and have all the responsibilities of an entrepreneur. And I was not ready for that at that moment. But that landed the seed, I think. And once we moved to, from Sweden to Iceland, I was first on maternity leave with our daughter, but then afterwards, it was time to find a job. And I realized that I don't want to go back into corporate. I want to really focus on working on the people part of the projects. So what I do... living abroad didn't keep you busy enough with your own issues. You thought, can I, I, I just put up some people's issues and deal with their... <laughs> you know, I always say that I learn as much from my clients as they learn from me, or I call them coaches quite often. It's the same with you, for example. Our conversations, when you ask me things and I, I'm trying to kind of broaden your perspective, so give you a new point of view and so on, and you take it in, I also get more from those, from those conversations. And I know that for you, it was you had quite a resistance to understand it for quite a while, but I'm learning a lot about how people perceive the situations, about how different we can be as humans. It's also a great reminder for me often on my journey and where I've been couple of years ago, where I'm now, where I want to go and so on. And doesn't mean that you're worse than me, right? I'm always saying that. You just can be somewhere yeah, I know what you behind me. No, so no, this is something that I'm enjoying a lot in, in, this, in this work. And again, for example, now being a business owner, it's a very tough job. But having this purpose of helping people and getting the feedback of my clients or from my clients about how they're perspective change, how calmer they get, how they let go of some situations that I can't affect and so on. This just gives me goosebumps every time. And also it just gives me so much more energy than doing something that I'm maybe half committed to or feel half aligned about. Mm -hmm. But you've been uh, telling me now that you basically started uh, with this project management and that led like one to another and made you interested in leading groups and people in general or co also coaching them on an individual basis but have you also been coached yourself have you been led yourself have you been not a leader but a little sheep oh yeah <laughs> I didn't start from the top and I actually haven't been at the top 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 I've been working in big companies so there you have quite quite a lot of people right but absolutely and actually If we think about being led, in the last year of my university studies in Ukraine, I had a job in a headhunting company. And at the interview... That's a crazy job, I guess. <laughs> it was actually quite nice. I enjoyed it. And I learned a lot. And the first lesson, and it was one of the strongest leadership lessons for me in up until now, was when during the interview, I had to take some analytical skills test. And then my future manager would come back into the room. 
And she would sit down in front of me and say, Anna, you have a very good score, better than <laughs> mine. She said, better than mine. And that was the manager who would be just about to hire me a pre-graduate. <laughs> and I was really impressed by that attitude to being honest about what you what what your strengths are as a leader and and what you're maybe not as good as. And that's what I'm doing at the moment with my team. I'm I'm hiring my weaknesses, those things that I'm not enjoying to do. And thus, I can't stay consistent with them when I can't do them with a good quality in a sustainable way. So it's best to hire for that. So is this something that you maybe learned very early on to appreciate as a quality in a leader that he's actually capable to see his own weaknesses or maybe not his favorite things to do and just admitting, you know what, I need someone to help me with this. Definitely. Absolutely. Do you have a classic, like like a leader that you've been led by that was kind of a role model for you, that you well, always have in mind when you do your job, or at least partly? I have a, a whole bunch of leaders in my head <laughs> living with me. <laughs> and that's depending on the situation and my reactions and my emotions, I pick up the kind of the right one, <laughs> so to say, and ask them like, okay, what would you do? Because there were I, I was lucky enough to to have enough good leaders leading me and, and managing my work in, in the years of my work experience. And they all have their strengths. They all had their weaknesses, of course. No, no one is perfect. And that's why I'm, I'm having the whole team in my head helping me out every time. Okay. Yeah, I mean, this is also an interesting uh, point because um, I recently said to you that you don't have a team, but you actually do. But it is mostly a virtual team which is, of course, uh, very good in Corona times because you don't depend on personal meetings. So you have experiences with this and especially with virtual leadership, I would say. Definitely. So I have two people on my team, both girls I've met virtually. So I've never met them in real life so far. The first one has been with me since mid-April 2020. And yeah, I'm, I've been having all the leadership of them uh, virtually. And it's gone quite well. Mm. They're very happy. Why the podcast then? You know, I've not been a necessity. <laughs> no, <laughs> not really. That's partly my zone of genius, to creating the space for a meaningful, deep conversation. And I've been having that with so many amazing leaders and other coaches and researchers. And I felt quite selfish to keep it to, my, to myself and to that person and a lot of those people are willing to share their knowledge it's just that they're too busy to arrange it in some way so i want to create this platform where we can discuss the things and podcast is called genius leadership overcoming everything podcast because leadership is not an easy journey and i mm -hmm. see it as a roller coaster and when you are hanging in that roller coaster dead loop upside down, your hair dangling there and you're thinking, do I have anything in my pockets that will now fall out and I'll never find it again? And those moments of, as a leader, you do need some support. You do need some guidance. You do need to understand that you're not alone on this trip and that you'll get out of that loop and you'll continue your journey and it, you'll, it can be enjoyable. And that's what I want to do with this podcast. That is a, a very nice thing. And I can tell you from my own experience that it actually helps. Not saying that uh, concerning you, but I'm actually listening to a podcast with a different topic, but it's and it's in German. But I've been listening. They have like 111 um, episodes now. I've been, been listening to maybe 50. 
And of course, many things come up again and again. And, you know, you always get the core message of that journalist. Sort of, it's like going to a therapy somehow, because it's always the same things repeated again and again, and it slowly gets into your brain. And it's always a different story. It's always fun. It's always new. And and in the end, you really have a learning effect. And the good thing about the podcast, and this is why I think it's a good idea that you're doing this, is that people can listen to it in their leisure time while walking a dog or driving the car, being in a traffic jam, whatever. Yeah, exactly. I'm a, a podcast nice junkie way. myself and I listen to quite many of them. And just in the pre-chat, we talked about the FOMO and that's definitely what I have about podcasts because there are so many there that I can't just physically listen to. But I love this format that you really can get in depth. You're not limited by 1,200 characters or anything like this. I'm really struggling with the social media posts in that way. Mm-hmm. I do want to go in depth. I don't want to just create teasers after teasers after teasers. I want people to get the value out of that. And some people are really good with that, keeping it short. I'm not. So after struggling for one year with that, I'm going for <laughs> yes. a format that fits me better. <laughs> and hopefully you listeners will enjoy more tell me about your coaching what kind of coaching do you do how do you structure it what do you do with the people (laughs) how do I mess up with them how do you mess them up (laughs) so I'm struggling with the word coach for several reasons one of them is I'm not a certified coach for example there was this huge global organization ICF uh, International Coaching Federation and they do amazing training and certify people and people follow their code of ethics, let's say, in the coaching practice. That's not what I do. And also I am quite, quite a, I have a quite a mix in my style. So I'm using quite a lot of approaches and exercises from cognitive behavioral therapy. And that kind of loops back into your question about whether I've had coaches myself. I always invest in my personal development and that can look different whom I'm investing in or whose help I'm investing in at the moment. And I've been going through uh, psychologists and therapy and coaching, different kinds of coaching. I've been doing some energy work. I haven't gotten that much into all those woo-woo areas. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I'm, I'm trying to practice that because it's more, it's it's new perspectives yet again. So I'm picking up things that I learn from being a client in different spaces and also from the books and so on. And and I'm using those tools that are fitting the clients that I have in front of me at the moment. And I sometimes use the word guide, but I don't want to confuse people when we don't have that much of a conversation that they think that I'm somehow in the travel business and so on. So I stick to the word coach. And what do I do? Let's just say if I, given I was a leader, (laughs) which Um, you are, which I am, (laughs) but not officially, but anyway, no, but I would come to you and say, hey, I I need your help. I think my team is sort of not performing really well. The output is not what I want. It's maybe not quick enough, not good enough, not, I don't know, creative enough, whatever. And how how would you look or how would you tackle it? Would you take a look at me as the leader first, trying to figure out if I'm doing something wrong? Would you look at the team first? Would you look at everything first? With leaders, it's a bit of more, it's a bit of easier situation and more luxurious because leaders usually can invest in hiring me for their team. But I would always work with both. And sometimes 
people actually come to me as leaders and they say, okay, I already have a mentor at the moment, but I would like you to work with my team. So then we will do that. And I loop those conversations with a leader, of course, when I see that, okay, there is something that the leader can improve in their work from the perspective of their employees. So I'll, of course, bring that information to, to the leader, but I will work with the team members individually and in the team constellation. And then I can also work with leaders only, which I do with a couple of my clients. So that I, I'm all coaching only the, the manager or the CEO, the founder, the founder of the company. And we meet weekly or bi-weekly and have a discussion. And discussion can go high and low. <laughs> it can be about the business, but quite often it goes into personal uh, stuff as well, because that's all interrelated. And uh, ideally, I work in a hybrid when I both work with a leader one-to-one and with their team in a group. And if needed, I take it deeper with some separate team members individually as well. Now you've been using different terms. I just want to get this straight. Is a team and a group different thing for you? Or is it the same? Or For me, it's different. So for me, group is a, a group of people, right? You say, and that you can say about anywhere in the supermarket. Everyone who is shopping there, it's a group of people. They're not necessarily a team just because they're in the supermarket at the same time. That's a number of people together who have their all uh, who all they ha- have their own goals. A team is kind of a next level when, of course, you have your personal goals in some way, individual goals, but at the same time, you as a team are sharing some common goals and you want to get there together. And again, talking about supermarket, everyone has a goal of getting their shopping done, but it's not the same shopping they're doing. They're doing it for themselves only. But then, for example, if we go as a, on a road trip with 10 friends, we shop for ourselves for a weekend. Then we might go in the supermarket and everyone has part of the shopping list and we all spread ourselves out <laughs> around the supermarket to buy the things that we need. Then we work as a team mm-hmm. because okay. we have this common shopping list. Okay, and who would be the leader of that team? Is it the one that writes the list? I wish it would be that easy. <laughs> <laughs> then we no. probably come to the question of who is the leader. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. I'm often wondering, you know, if uh, a leader is just born into this world and he's pretty much perfect as a leader, or if you can actually, because I'm, I have so many people in my head in front of me who, I mean, some people definitely don't never want to be a leader. They don't even think about it or they even say, leave me in peace. Mm-hmm. But there are so many people that want to be leaders. And that could actually be an interesting discussion if it's mostly males. But I also know quite a lot of women and they all want to be someone. Let's just say someone, meaning some kind of leader with some kind of status. And sometimes I'm thinking you never will be <laughs> because they, for in, in my mind they're lacking so many skills but still I mean could they be made leaders with certain like five main skills that you need to have as a leader <laughs> yeah everyone wants those checklists right mm. so the research is showing that around approximately 10% are having those more natural skills for leadership How meaning percent? 10. So one person out of 10 would approximately like, naturally be quite okay as a leader. With that being said, it doesn't mean that the other nine in the room can't be good leaders. 
But as you said, I think the key is about being willing to. I've seen quite quite a transformations in, in leadership styles of people and approaches to leadership in my career from having good mentors, being ready to change, and quite often knowing why you want to be in that space, in that place. So some people would be quite arrogant in the beginning, bullying people in the meeting rooms, but with the right mentorship and coaching, they would slowly develop into being much more inspirational and positive for the other employees. And that again, it comes into it comes down to the alignment. Would you agree with me? Because this is my personal opinion about this. Like one key skill or one key mindset that most people that could not be leaders is that many people are afraid of responsibility and making decisions. I think you're tapping into something very interesting there because leadership. And you, in the previous question you were asking about, or you mentioned something about the status that comes with the leadership positions. And status often is associated with power. And for mm-hmm. me, power and responsibility are kind of two sides of the same coin. Mm-hmm. So if you want power, you should be able to take responsibility for what mm-hmm. comes with that power and yeah. what, what is put on you with that power. Yeah, and I remember we've also been talking about like other uh, skills that make leadership for you. Remembering I was talking about maybe motivation or being able to motivate people. I think you called it influence, right? Yeah. It's a more general term, I guess. Yeah, motivation is part of the influence for sure. For me, motivation is probably different from than for many people. So I would probably define it directly to avoid any confusion. Uh, many people see motivation as something that should come, should precede the action. Whilst f- for me, motivation comes from the action. And it's that kind of engine or that fuel that helps you keep going and keep momentum whilst you've already, when you've already started doing something. So yes, part of leadership responsibilities is to motivate people. And yeah, I was talking about influence because for me, this is one of the key or crucial things in leadership, in seeing a leader. But there we go again down to, okay, how do you influence people because of just what you're saying? I mean, you can influence people just with good arguments, with a good vision, with creating a nice picture in their head and, you know, making them aim for it. But you can also, and I think that's more often the case that it's not so much the vision itself. It is rather the person and the aura, the charisma. And this leads back to the question, are you born like it? But that also brings me to this question that I'm seeing with my coworkers or my, my team because I personally know quite a lot about them, like as people. I know about at least two of them that they have severe personal issues with spouses or family background, whatever. And I recently talked to another leader in the company, and she is actually one generation ahead. And she finds it extremely weird that we know this about each other. And I tried to explain this to her. I, I see where she's coming from because it's a little bit like my mom's generation. So 
of course, I, I partly understand it. But I think for me, as this team leader, it's extremely helpful to know where people are coming from, what they're struggling with. But then again, how much should I know? Because is that relevant for the professional business? Should I actually care about this? Because technically, it's not my business. It's not my issue. They have to tackle it. They should get help for something if they're unhappy in other parts of their lives. And if their personal issues affect the work so much, up to what point should I be involved? Up to what point should I keep my ears and eyes open? And where should I say, okay, I see you're having an issue and I see where you're coming from, but please deal, handle this yourself. And this is I an, think it's difficult. It's an amazing question, Doreen. And I think you tapped into a very important part of that or two parts. So the first one is the generational differences. So researchers show in the different generations had different leadership as seen as the effective and good. So for baby boomers, for millennials, for Gen Z, it's different things. And at the moment, what's hyped, quote unquote, or what is most needed and most appreciated in the workforce is the coaching style of leadership. And it's mostly appreciated because there are most people of the generation that appreciates that in the workforce. But there are still people of the older generations for whom at some point it was more important to for the leader to be the brand representative. In some other time, it was more about communicating the vision of the company. And it was kind of employees' uh, responsibility to hop on board and make that vision happen in mm -hmm. a way. Right now, it's really about guiding. So you as a leader need to guide people towards... Um, so sort of partly a coach myself. Yeah, exactly. That's but what that's, if I don't want that? I'm not a leader then. You can hire help. <sighs> <laughs> that means... Okay, let's just say... I mean, let, let's just say like this uh, woman that I talked to who's a different generation, she doesn't want to know so much about people. Does that then mean to tackle her team's issues she needs someone who takes care of this who has like these talks with the people and oh i'm going to listen to you now no 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 it doesn't have to be on that level that i you're going to be listening to someone's shit it's still a workplace right mm -hmm. or okay now i said shit and it's very rude to say that way because people are going through different things Sometimes it's something that we make up for ourselves, but sometimes it is really traumatic experiences in our personal life. And what you what you tapped on, okay, where where do I as a leader draw the line? I didn't take the word shit as a proper shit as you think. Maybe I understood what you mean. <laughs> yeah, I just didn't want to come judgmental about that because mm. I'm not judging people about mm. the struggles that they have. It's always about understanding what that comes from and how you can actually help. And I'm very curious about those things, curious in a willing to help kind of way. And I think it's important for a leader to understand that we do need to take into account that we're not working with robots. We still working with humans and humans, some are better, some are worse about or at shutting off the personal stuff when they start working. 
I'm not saying enter in the office <laughs> because it can be in your home. But most of us still bring that with us. And it's the same with work, that we still think about our work when we are interacting with our family and so on. So you as a leader need to understand that it's your responsibility to give space for people to work through those things. But again, uh, as you said, when when is it enough, so to say? And I had examples in my experience that people suddenly were very impatient, irritated, arrogant towards the others. And for example, one of colleagues in, in one of my assignments, and I knew her as a very gentle and respectful person. So it was one of those people whom I would take on the walks quite a lot mm-hmm. because I saw that she needed to ventilate. I didn't know what to, and I didn't kind of try to figure it out. I wasn't kind of coming to her like saying, hey, Anna, what's going on with you? What is wrong? And so on. I was creating space for her to breathe, to talk, to scream if she wants, to cry. And at some point she shared with me that one of her family members was sick. So it was child of her sibling that was sick of, was having cancer. And she couldn't understand how a kid could be fighting for their life. And that she couldn't just leave it at home and say, okay, now I lock the door, I go to the office, I do my job, and then I come back and I think about it again. And for us as leaders, it was very important to understand that. And I think what is even more important is to understand that not everyone will want to share that stuff with us as leaders. So it's very important to not assume and to always think about that it, you, you never know what you don't know. Yeah, I mean, I would agree to, for example, when things like this happen, I mean, these are, yeah, not exceptions, but these are special moments. You know, it is not a daily thing that happens and that can absolutely throw you off. And it's good to know about it. And when a person goes through a situation like this, absolutely the empathy and compassion is needed. Absolutely. But when I look at my team, for example, I think for me personally, it's enough to understand their personal background in, in, in such a way that I know what drives them, what stops them, how high their inner, like their intrinsic motivation level is, and where I could maybe grab them by the balls to get it a little bit up. But when it comes to personal general issues, like, I don't know, my mom always, I don't know, I have a person in, in, in my company who has like ongoing problems with her husband. And I was willing and, and, and did talk to her about this quite a lot. And I even tried to help her break up and find an apartment and all of that. But she didn't go through it. She decided to stick with it for longer. And this is where I dropped out. And when she complained afterwards how problematic everything was, I was like, "Mm -hmm, okay, I hear you. But I didn't get any deeper into this because it was basically just draining me. It didn't do any good for the workforce. And, you know, I knew where she was coming from. I know it's, uh, it's an ongoing problem. But in the end, I also realized that's not my business and I can't help her and I shouldn't this is something she needs to tackle so this is where I drew drew the line of course there were moments when I was like okay maybe I'm just an asshole because I I am trying to keep this away you know from the workplace you are not an asshole you are protecting your own boundaries and I think this is something that every leader has to do and it's very important to do 
because first of all, people do as we do, not as we say. I, as a mama toddler, see it super clearly. Mm-hmm. And I keep reminding myself that adults are the same kids, just having a couple of filters put on them, but psychology is still the same. And it's very important to show that there are boundaries and that you take care of them, of your own personal boundaries, that you respect them, because that will help you promote that culture among your employees and your team to set their own boundaries, to respect them, to respect each other's boundaries. And that will go to the next level so in their personal life and outside of the company. What you are talking about here is that that person has been going across the boundaries and partly you did you helped her there, right? Because you were trying to help her. But at the same time, when you see that the person is not committed to the solution, you can't provide a solution. And that was my thought, yeah. <laughs> and that is something that is part of the coaching leadership, I would say the coaching style of leadership. You can't push solutions to people if they're not ready to commit to implementing them. You can't do the whole work. It's the same as with personal training. But how do you figure this out in advance? You need to get them there. And especially as a leader, people often don't know that they need a solution. And that's what coaching is about. It's not about providing a solution, but helping the person find their solution. Because the only right and the most sustainable solution is within themselves. And you know it from our conversations with you, Doreen. Mm -hmm. I'm not saying you're like, okay, now you're doing wrong or now you're thinking wrong. Think this instead. What I do instead is asking you a lot of questions. And it's not guiding questions to get the answer that I want to hear from you, but it's more something to trigger your thoughts, to start questioning your patterns. And that's what you you need to do as a coaching leader. You need to bring people's awareness, awareness and raise their curiosity. That's what I'm doing with my clients, for example. I really try to get them more curious, both about themselves and the others. Mm-hmm. And with that curiosity, you get a completely different energy about the questions in mind in your mind, and you get completely different questions in your mind as well. Mm-hmm. And what do you do with? I mean, that's I, I think one of the most common like hindering problems in a team that you have like two, three, or four groups within the team, which make the team not be a team, maybe, mm-hmm. <laughs> but maybe the team with many teams inside. And there are these intergroup dynamics and there are the bullies and the bullied ones often or the the performers and the underperformers and everybody's talking badly about each other. And as a leader, you often notice this and you know it. Team events do not really create or, or help with it. And I also wonder, can you, should you as a leader try to put your hands on this? Because in the end, it's individuals talking about each other. I think it again goes to what level we're talking about here. If that's something that affects productivity, if that's something that affects someone's well-being and your team, the person who is, for example, being bullied, that they are stressed, they're depressed, they have to go on a sick leave and so on, that's absolutely something that you as a leader has to responsibility have responsibility to take care of. With that being said, it doesn't mean that you yourself have to do that. If you don't feel like you know what to do, if you don't feel like you have the tools, you don't know where to start, take help. If you have an HR department in in your company, ask them for help. 
<laughs> shaking her head. <laughs> if you don't, then take someone eternal. And that's what I see with a lot of co- with a lot of leaders whom I'm talking to. They are having that external help. It can be a coach, it can be a mentor, another leader who is further along on the journey than themselves, whom they go to and ask for help. And when it comes to those kind of internal politic games within the team, so to say, or as you said, the dynamics within the within the team, it's not only about you as a leader understanding how to guide it, but maybe you getting help, external help, who can come and actually help people improve the dynamics. And the external part of that can be very crucial for many people to really take in that help because it's not me, the manager, me, the decision maker coming here and trying to make someone look bad and someone look good and so on. And me having interests in us getting to some particular point in this discussion, if there is an external person coming in, they don't have interests in this team getting somewhere. They don't have the like personal interest in figuring out some information, personal information about some team members and so on. That can open up people to be perceptive for discussions, for changes. And that's where, where I, can, for example, come in as well and, and can help both the leader and the team members. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, the difficult part comes with maybe having to fire some people. If you see someone being very destructive, being like having very negative effect on the whole team. As we discussed with you at some point, maybe as the first solution, you need to try to change their tasks description so that they can sit in their own corner without getting to interact with other people that much. So try to put those people separately so they don't affect the rest of the team so much. Change their role description. And if that doesn't work, and if they keep not performing, or even if they keep performing, which is the tough part when sometimes people say, this guy, he's getting his job done, but he's just so toxic for the rest. Everyone is feeling bad around him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, how I, much that costs your company then. Yeah, I have that. I, I mean, I have to deal with, with this person that I should separate from the group. And I think if she gets the right test, she is going to perform pretty well. So she would be that person. Mm-hmm. I, I can't say that this person would be toxic or is toxic. Was definitely not helping. And then there's this other person that is not toxic at all or not splitting. Well, well, in the end, this person splits the group as well because this is such an underperformer that the you know there are these people that are angry about it because it ends on their plates and they have to deal with it and then there are the people that don't work with this person but like this person so much because it's such a likable person so in the end that splits the group as well even though the person itself is not the like how do we say like uh triggering it actively yeah or intentionally Mm -hmm. and i actually tend to kick out this underperformer first and then maybe if you know this other person in their his or her corner performs but is still being difficult then you can think about kicking this person out as well but i i take i think most leaders would actually like intuitively kick out the person first that is not performing mm, not really actually some of the leaders that i'm talking to and whom we have on the show are talking about that for them the people 
the environment and the culture is so important that they'd rather have people who maybe are not performing as well, but are contributing to the team culture. And of course, we're not talking about that someone who doesn't do get anything done. You still need to get the things done. And especially with the founders of the startups who I'm talking, the teams are so small and you the margins are so tiny in the beginning, you really need to survive as a company, right? Until you get your product out onto the market, you start being profitable and so on. Of course, there we're talking about the performance, but the culture is also super, super important for those people and especially those who are focusing on building a strong team because that is what brings the company forward in the, in the long run. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I'm just trying to to imagine this with the team that I'm dealing with, and mm. I have hard times imagining this because the effort that you need to put into an underperformer is so draining for the one who needs to put in. It is not just a, a low performance on that that per person's side, but it's also taking a lot of energy from someone else who cannot give his. 150 but just 130 percent <laughs> mm-hmm. you know it's just it's i think there's like a kind of a chain reaction with this but of course these people that are triggering other people's moods and 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 disturb the the atmosphere they're of course also draining and lead to people's underperformance because maybe people talk behind their backs and all of that and that costs time so in the end it costs also the results or it is uh, affecting the results negatively. Mm. So, yeah, it's difficult to measure, I guess. <laughs> yeah. You know, my, my favorite answer is usually it depends. And if you ask me about general questions, I might try to give you a general answer. But more often than not, it's a disservice to the question. Because Yeah, yeah you know, I mean, this is, this is why we get coaches, because if we could work with general answers, we could all just buy a book, right? And is there... Maybe to to have a lovely conclusion, is there one sentence, one, how do we say, you know, one life tip for a leader that you could give on the way? Something that you could tell a young leader <laughs> on his way? You know, invest in yourself. And we didn't touch it that much, but I feel like every good leader starts with himself. And that means reflecting, analyzing what you're doing, how you're doing, investing your time, energy, and money in getting to know yourself better. Because if you don't understand yourself, it's it's difficult to lead the others in a, in a healthy way and healthy both for you, for the company, and for the employees. So I think it's very important to really set your goal and intention to keep becoming a better person. And that automatically will make you a better leader. Okay. Sounds easy. <laughs> but it's not. <laughs> How hard can that be? How hard? Yeah, what? No, but um, okay. That sounds good. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Genius Leadership. If you want to hear more insightful conversations about leadership, hit the subscribe button to not miss an episode. And to help more people become even better leaders, rate and review our podcast and share it with your colleagues, friends, and communities. Do you have any questions, comments, or suggestions on topics or guests? I'm happy to connect with you. You will mostly find me on LinkedIn, but also on Facebook and Instagram. Genius Leadership is an honest conversation about leading yourself and others. And it is my honor to be your guide 
in overcoming everything. <laughs>